0: This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Ben, we talk football. Meat burgers. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Scramble Drill. How's everybody doing? Uh, It's a bit of an interesting episode this go-round. We don't have Ben. It's just me. It's really funny, we sat down to record the episode last night and uh, <laughs> Ben's plugged in and we're getting ready to go and then he, he, he goes, uh, what is going on? It's just this clicky noise and his mic just crapped out and died. So no Ben on this episode, he is off upgrading his audio setup. Good for Ben, by the way. And uh, so yeah, until that comes in, I'm flying solo. And I figured since we happened to ask for some trades on Instagram, we would do a trade review leading up to the Combine, and then next week, once we have the Combine performances in, we know know, how everybody ran their 40, how all that stuff happened, we would actually dive into prospects again. But for today, we'll just do a trade review, uh, maybe talk about some of these prospects as well, but uh, keep it to trades really quickly if you enjoy what we're doing here and you want to help us out the best way you can do that it's very very simple you just leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts you can also watch us on youtube watching or listening both help us out a ton and um, leaving a rating a review really helps us especially in the audio formats it helps you know Apple push or Spotify push the podcast to new listeners. So ratings and reviews are like the number one way to do that. And it's really easy to do. It just takes, you know, 30 seconds of your time and it helps us out a ton. Um, All these trades are coming from Instagram. So if you want to send us a trade to review, you can DM us on Instagram at scramble drill show. And we'll try and get to those. But all these questions are from Instagram. So let's just hop right into it. Let's talk about some trades. The first one here, they sent D.J. Moore, Ramondre Stevenson, and a 2024 110 for Elijah Mitchell and the 102 in 2024. Really interesting. I don't know. There's no specification if this is Superflex or one quarterback. I'm going to assume one quarterback here. I guess I, it doesn't really matter either way. The difference is, if it's Superflex, the 102 is likely going to be Marvin Harrison. It could be Caleb Williams. I know uh, I've got a dynasty league where I've got the 102, and it's a super flex league, and the guy with the number one pick has come out and said and told everybody that he will be taking Marvin Harrison Jr. with the 101. So my 102 in that situation is pretty much locked in. It's going to be Caleb Williams. But uh, that's not going to be the case for every league, obviously. So if this is a super flex league, that 102 is probably either Marvin Harrison or Caleb Williams. I'm assuming this person knew what they were trading up for, though, when they made that move. Um, If it's one quarterback, I'm assuming the 101 is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. And the 102 is likely going to be Malik Nabors. Again, it will vary depending on your league. Maybe... Somebody at 101 fell in love with uh, Malik Neighbors, decides they want to go neighbors at one, and then Marvin Harrison is the one oh two. Either way, you're looking at a combination of a neighbors, Williams, or Marvin Harrison at the one oh two. For the sake of this trade, we're going to assume that they're trading up for either Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors because I feel like it just makes things simpler when we're breaking this down. So the trade, if it's Marvin Harrison Jr. turns out to be DJ Moore, Ramondre Stevenson, and the 110 for Elijah Mitchell and Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's cut the Elijah Mitchell here. Let's simplify that. Um, Elijah Mitchell, let's be honest, it's not worth a whole lot. He's, He's probably equivalent to like a late second if you were to try and figure out his value in picks. So... It's essentially DJ Moore, Ramondre, in the 110 for Marvin Harrison Jr. That's a steep price. That's a lot to pay for Marvin Harrison Jr. At the same time, I think that's probably what the going rate is right now. If you want to get Marvin Harrison Jr., that's probably what you've got to pay. You've got to pay a top 12, give or take, fringe top 12 receiver, a upside running back, and, and a late first yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. That's If I were to go to the guy who's got in a one quarterback dynasty league right now in the granddaddy of them all, if I were to go to Landon Davis, who's got the 101, and I were to say, what do I have to give you in order to get that 101? I'm probably having to pay something like this. Uh, so yeah, I think it's probably a good deal for both sides, to be totally honest with you. Um, DJ Moore... It's very likely he has some target competition with the Chicago Bears. I have a feeling they're either going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., figure out some way to do that. Maybe they trade up from nine, or they add a Dunze or a Malik Neighbors or somebody like that with the ninth pick. So, DJ Moore probably takes a little bit of a dip in value because I'm assuming they're going to add somebody. Ramondre, he's got a wide range of values, but... Suffice to say, this is a really good offer and uh, you had to pay up for it. I think if you're paying up for Marvin Harrison and you know what you're doing, that that's who you're going for, you probably feel good about this. Um, it's one of those deals, though, that like in a year we could come back to it and be thinking like, what What did this person do? This is, <laughs> this is excessive. Um, it's a good deal, though. Next one here from Dane Grimes, traded... Anthony Richardson for the 106 and Jake Ferguson. He's got Lamar and Jordan Love says, don't love it, but I need pieces. <laughs> Again, Dane didn't specify if this is one quarterback in Superflex. I have a feeling this is a one quarterback move because if you're in Superflex, I feel like you're holding on to three quarterbacks in Superflex. If you're in one quarterback... We've talked about it before. If you have three, you really you don't need to be holding three quarterbacks. That's sort of what this feels like. He's, he's like, I've got three good quarterbacks. I need to trade one of these guys and get some pieces and fill out my roster. So he traded Anthony Richardson for the 106 and Jake Ferguson. <sighs> it's not a great deal, to be totally honest. And I think Dane realized that because he says, I don't love it, but I need pieces. It just feels like a desperation trade. Like, I need to fill out my lineup. I need some, I need a warm body to slot in there. And the 106 and Jake Ferguson was just what it took. If you're going to break down, especially assuming one quarterback, if you're going to break down who's going to be there at the 106, you're looking at some combination of like Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy there's no telling maybe if you get hot and bothered for Jonathan Brooks you could take him there i don't know all the all the players that you really want are gone at the 106 so you're trading Anthony Richardson and now i'll i'll be fully honest i'm very high on Anthony Richardson just in general i think he's going to be great so i'm super excited for his upside and um you know I don't think I would be trading Anthony Richardson for just a shot in the dark rookie pick cuz that's what I feel like the 106 is at this point obviously landing spots and the draft will sort of dictate how this lays out but I feel like this is the sort of trade where it's like I need somebody but we don't really know what we're getting with with this 106 Jake Ferguson like dude I don't know if I have Jake Ferguson at tight end I'm I'm trying to turn him into Like I'm trying to add something to Jake Ferguson to get a better tight end, to get a Mark Andrews, to get a, you know, a Laporta, one of the elite guys. Ferguson had a really good year this past year, but like eh. he (laughs) he doesn't win you your league at tight end. He's fine, he's good, he's solid. But Dane, I'm gonna be honest, this one's tough. I think I would have just held Anthony Richardson here. Um, I fully understand you got to fill out the roster. Totally get it. Uh, but this is this is the sort of deal where it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Next one here, A.J. Brown for the 101. Big move. Big move. That's a cojones move. That is a, I believe, I'm assuming it's Marvin Harrison. I believe in Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm going to trade A.J. Brown for the 101. That's a pretty good move. That's a savvy move, I think. I think if you can trade the uh, A.J. Brown for the 101, it's pretty savvy. Um, A.J. Brown right now, he's in the prime of his career. He's excellent coming off a 1,400-yard season. Obviously, with Marvin Harrison Jr., you are hoping he turns into what A.J. Brown has been. So I fully get that. But at the same time, we've talked about it recently, Marvin Harrison Jr. might be slightly overrated in the dynasty community just because he hasn't Played it down in the NFL yet, but he's not overrated as a prospect. He is an elite prospect. He was unbelievable two years in a row at Ohio State. Um, he's awesome as a prospect. He is in that Jamar Chase type vein. You know, you could say Justin Jefferson. Jefferson was not as highly regarded as a prospect, and he turned into what he turned into. But you know, Chase and Marvin Harrison are are different. But as prospects, they're, I think, on a very similar level where it's like, these guys are going to be elite day one. So with A.J. Brown, who is 27, and he was very good if you look at his season this past year in totality. But if you break it down on a week-by-week basis, you realize he had an insane stretch of like six 100-yard games in a row, and then down the stretch of the season... When the Eagles offense was struggling mightily, A.J. Brown was also struggling for fantasy football. So you kind of bake that narrative into it where A.J. Brown, I think if you're going to sell him, it's very possible this is the highest his dynasty value ever is, just for age purposes, where he's at a spot where he's elite. He's going to be elite for another four years, five years maybe. But, like, is his value going to climb from where it is now? Probably not. I think on keep trade cut, he's the dynasty wide receiver six or seven. I think in my personal rankings, I would have him behind Pukunakua. I would have him behind Ross St. Brown. And so that, that puts him at, I think, dynasty wide receiver seven for me as well. Marvin Harrison Jr., I, I would have him ranked for dynasty above A.J. Brown. Right in a very similar spot, but above AJ Brown. So I think that's a very savvy move, and it's that's going to be the sort of move that I think you can get done because AJ Brown still is elite. He's still excellent. So the guy at the 101 might be like, "I just wanted, I just want a proven player," and AJ Brown is a proven player. So that's probably a deal you can get done, and that is the line. Like Puka, I don't want to be pushed on that. Should I? Would I trade Puka for the 101? Probably, but I don't want to be pushed on that because he's a rookie and he just had fourteen hundred yards. He's awesome. I don't want to be pushed on it. AJ Brown is the first player where it's like, yeah, I could see myself wanting to pay AJ Brown for the one on one. Next one here: traded Jalen Waddle and the two hundred five for Mark Andrews and Javante Williams. This is a trade that I would really like to see some league settings. Is this PPR? Is it you know how many people are you starting in your lineup? Um, I think overall, like is it is it tight end premium? I think that that's very important to know here. In the absence of all that, I'm gonna assume pretty standard scoring and pretty standard lineup settings. Waddle in the two oh five for Mark Andrews and Javante Williams. This is very tough. I think depending on your league, you could go either way here. I am higher on Javante Williams than most. I think the general consensus on Javante is that he is a good, but maybe won't ever reach the ceiling, the elite ceiling that we thought he was going to reach due to the ACL, due to the change in coaching staff, you know, coming off of that ACL injury. He wasn't super great this past year. He was solid. He was fine, but he wasn't explosive necessarily. And I think a lot of that is just due to the fact that he's coming off an ACL injury, a very bad ACL injury. I think it's honestly a miracle he played as much as he did anyway. So you factor that in. Um, Mark Andrews, he's got some target competition in the tight end room, it seems, with Isaiah Likely. I think I could talk myself into either way on this one. I really could. I think the 205 you're probably going to get somebody very interesting. There's a lot of running backs in this class that I think are interesting that are going to be available at the 205. There's a lot of receivers. I mean, in a, in one of your rookie drafts, Adonai Mitchell could be there at the 205. Xavier Worthy could be there at the 205. There's going to be so much variance where these guys end up going that that 205 pick, I mean, it could be super interesting or it could be awful. I don't know. A lot of that will be dictated by the NFL draft. I think if I needed a tight end, I would default to Andrews and Javante. If I wasn't desperately in need of a tight end and it was like the glaring hole on my roster, I would probably default to the Waddle side here. Um, But really good trade. Pretty even on both sides, I think. And that's the sort of deal. Like people that trade cross positionally, I think that's the way to do it. Like trading, tearing down from one wide receiver to another one it's always difficult because it's like the value could change and it, it, you know, it could get really hazy there. But when you're trading from wide receivers to tight ends and running backs, I feel like it just sort of evens out in terms of value. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it just feels like when I'm trading, um, you get a, you get a better barometer for what the value actually is. And you can kind of avoid the value spikes that tend to happen within a position like if i'm trading Kenneth Walker last year and his value dropped the way it did this past season like it it's it's more difficult to gauge values within a position than it is trading cross positionally anyway that's that's my little soapbox there um next trade gave the 106 and a 25-third for C.J. Stroud in one QB PPR. Appreciate you dropping the settings in there. That helps out a lot. Uh, the 106 and one quarterback and a third for Stroud. You know, I said for Dane uh, sending away Anthony Richardson for the 106 in Ferguson, I mean, that's, that's probably a better return than what you had to pay here for Stroud. I think this is a good move. I think in one quarterback, you want one of those elite guys. You don't want to carry a ton of quarterbacks because it clogs your roster. But I think the value of having a top-tier, top-five quarterback in one quarterback, it's just... It's like it's weird because quarterback values are... Like, quarterbacks are devalued in general in one quarterback. And at the same time, I think having one of those elite guys separates your team more than it would in Superflex, if that makes sense. Like, there's a, there's a very fine line where, you know, beyond like the top eight in, in uh, one quarterback, they're just like, meh, whatever, who cares? But once you get into those elite ones, having a true difference maker, and that's the only quarterback you're starting, having that weekly ceiling is super valuable in one quarterback. And I have sort of changed my tune, where in the past, I have been team quarterbacks don't matter in one quarterback. Like, just get Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins and, and load up the rest of your lineup. But I feel like I've sort of switched where now I'm like, you know, the guy who has Josh Allen every year in one quarterback, just like, it's such an advantage to have that elite quarterback. So I'm totally okay trading a mid-first round pick for CJ Stroud and a throw. Like, the third, that's going to be nothing. It's a 25 third, too. It's not even a 20, 24 third. That pick is going to be nothing. So you're trading a mid first round pick for CJ Stroud. I'm perfectly okay with that. At the 106, especially, because like I said, in one quarterback, especially, that 106 is probably just a shot in the dark. It's very possible that that could turn into a really valuable piece. But it just is you're, at that point, you're like, you're not drafting one of the elite talents. Like Brock Bowers is gone. Roma Dunze's gone. So, especially on one quarterback, you're you're taking your shot on a guy that you believe in. And th- that could be a number of different guys. So, yeah, I'm willing to trade the 106 for Stroud in a heartbeat in one quarterback. Nick traded Brock Purdy for Garrett Wilson straight up in a two-quarterback league. He says he has... Mahomes and Stroud, and he can only keep two. I'm really intrigued what sort of league settings this is. Or, like, is it a keeper league where you can only keep two quarterbacks year over year and then you redraft? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you can only keep two, Purdy is expendable. And you just turn Purdy into a very, very good receiver for your lineup. So this is a home run. Like, considering and appreciate you leaving the context for it because in a 2 quarterback league generally speaking purdy for Garrett Wilson like there's a conversation to be had there i think where you you might find somebody who prefers Garrett Wilson you might find somebody who prefers Brock Purdy purdy was excellent this past season for fantasy football leaving the context though i mean this is just a no-brainer home run sort of deal for you considering your team considering who you're going to be starting and what's going to be there for you. Yeah, Brock Purdy for Garrett Wilson, I I would do that in a heartbeat. Next trade, traded away Saquon Barkley and Amari Cooper for the 105 and Jordan Addison in Dynasty. Really intriguing trade here. I think if you're a competing team, I could... I could see talking myself into Saquon Barkley, Amari Cooper. I've been trying to trade him in one league for like two months. Nobody bites. I like I'll I'll take the one twelve. Can't get it done. Uh, I'll take a high second. Can't get it done. Nobody wants Amari Cooper, and like he just he just goes out and scores points in your lineup, but he's twenty nine years old or something, and nobody wants him. People feel like he's been in the league for forever. And he has, but anyways, he's turning into Mike Evans. Like for the past few years, Mike Evans, you can't trade him for packing peanuts. And he just goes out and he's a top 15 receiver in your lineup. And it just, with players like that, sometimes I guess it's just more valuable to keep them and let them score points for you. Unless you're rebuilding, in which case it's so frustrating because you can't trade them for nothing. Anyways, that's my Amari Cooper rant aside. Saquon and Amari Cooper for the 105 in Addison. Um, I would probably prefer the one oh five and Addison here. Saquon is very intriguing, and I think he's going to have an awesome year because I think he's probably going to like the Texans, maybe the Chargers. I could see him even going to the Bears. I think he's going to a team that is going to have a much improved offense from what he had in in New York the past couple of years. And he's still in the prime of his career at twenty seven years old where He's probably got two top five seasons in him if the team situation works out to where that's a viable outcome. But be, that being said, he is 27 years old. And if you can trade him for the 105 and Jordan Addison, I think that's a very good move. Jordan Addison's awesome. I think he's, we, uh, he showed us last year. Like he's, he's great. And it, all the buzz seems like the Vikings are going to add a quarterback either through free agency or the draft. Maybe they, you know, get in the Justin Field sweepstakes. I don't know. But it seems like they're going to figure out something at quarterback or it's just going to be Kirk Cousins again. And he was awesome before he got injured last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think Addison's a really talented player. And the 105, that could be, you know, and Superflex especially, this is a, a great pick because you're getting Brock Bowers – or maybe Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze is there. I don't know. It depends on your league. But in one quarterback, the 105 is probably. I don't know who goes. That's um, you'll have Harrison Neighbors or Dunze. Bowers goes, and then you know that next player could be whichever receiver you like who's left. Um, and it's probably whoever the Chiefs draft. To be honest with you, if they go get Troy Franklin, he's probably there. If they go get Keon Coleman, he's probably there. So the five is a very interesting pick, and Addison's awesome. So I, I can see wanting that side of it. I still do think Barkley's excellent, but this is probably a good time to sell if you can get somebody that's really excited about that landing spot. And if you're not like a top two or three team, I think Barkley's going to be really valuable to those top couple teams these next two years for, for competing purposes. Uh, but if you're rebuilding or if you're kind of in the middle of the pack, once Barkley signs or now as these rumors start to churn about him going, like if he goes to the Texans, dude, people are going to be so in on Saquon Barkley this year. So it's probably a good time to want to move him. You, it might even be better to like wait a couple months until he does sign somewhere. And we know, because it's going to be, I can't see a scenario where he goes back to New York and that would be the only scenario where he doesn't have a boost in value, I think. So Barkley's a very interesting piece. And I do think it's probably a good time to trade him, at least in these next couple months, um, unless you're a top couple, top you know three roster in your league. Last trade here, Patrick Mahomes for three 2024 first rounders. Jacob, I would have loved if you'd have dropped where these picks actually land, because I think that, Like, if it's the 108, 109, and 110, it's not especially enticing. But if it's the 101, 102, 103, good grief. You're getting Caleb Williams, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison, Jane Daniels, or, like, a combination of Malik Neighbors, Harrison, Williams, like... There's several different ways this could go. You could end up with Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, and Adonai Mitchell for Patrick Mahomes. Or you could end up with Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Two very different scenarios here. Um, If it's it's the late first scenario, keep Mahomes, dude. But if it's a scenario where you're getting uh, a couple early firsts in here, maybe it's a You know, 101, 102, and the 105 or six, and you get Brock Bowers, maybe, and a quarterback and Marvin Harrison. That's, I would probably want to do that for Mahomes. Um, It depends on what the picks are. I think that's what this comes down to. It depends on what those picks end up actually being. Uh, Trading Mahomes for three first, though, probably a pretty decent move. Probably a pretty decent move. He's still, I think, the QB2 for me in Dynasty, uh, but he is 28. And we just saw his worst season for fantasy production. I think that's probably the floor. That's as bad as it'll get, but still. Um, Three firsts for any player, probably a pretty good bet more often than not. Um, But it does depend on what those firsts end up being, because if it's, you know, if it's three shots in the dark, and two of them are nothing in two years, you're going to regret that one. Um, so probably on principle, a pretty good bet, but at the same time, I don't know. Depends on what those picks are. Uh, really quickly, before we hop out of here, I do. I, I had this thought, and I thought about making this an Instagram post, and then I figured, you know what? We'll just talk about it on the podcast briefly here. Um, 40 times. The Combine's happening right now. That's probably why I didn't think it would be a good post, because by the time I posted it, it would have been old hat, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Just food for thought. I saw this post on Instagram. I can't remember who posted it. But they just dove into the value or the importance of 40 times for different positions. And they went and looked historically and pulled some data. Uh, just about like the top 12 at every position and what they ran at the combine uh, and how it translated theoretically to fantasy production. And for different positions, it varied in importance. Like for running backs, it's pretty important that you run fast. I th- I think that sort of goes without saying, and we all sort of know this. Generally speaking, you want guys that are fast. But for running backs, it's important, but it's not like the end-all be-all. I mean, Kyron Williams got slammed and was super, like, nobody was super in on Kyron Williams because he ran, like, a 4.6. We're like, he's not fast. Um, how is he going to be an excellent fantasy back? Well, obviously, it's not the only metric that determines fantasy value. And, two, like, I think the 40 is getting, it's getting crapped on a little bit because it doesn't necessarily measure measure in-game speed um, I think obviously there's a correlation because if you're fast, you're fast. But like some guys are faster, like have faster game speed than they do just sprinting 40 yards for a timer. Um, that aside, for running backs, it is pretty important. So, like, what are some of these backs going to run? What does Braylon Allen run, the massive running back from Wisconsin? If Braylon Allen at 235 pounds goes out and runs a low four, 440, that's going to boost him up my rankings. If Blake Corum goes out and runs a low 4 4 it's probably going to boost him up my rankings. But like if you have a guy, you know, Jalen Wright from Tennessee or Bucky Irving from Oregon, both of these guys are supposed to be really fast. How fast are they? I think it's, it's worth paying attention to for running backs. For receivers, I don't know how everybody feels about this. I don't know how the room feels about this. I don't think the forty matters for uh, for receivers. I don't think it matters at all. Ceedee Lamb did not run a fast forty. DeAndre Hopkins ran like a four um, six. Devontae Adams historically ran like a four six. The forty does not matter for wide receivers. The guys that run really fast don't. It doesn't necessarily mean they're great players. Cooper Cup n- did not run a fast forty. Um, Jamison Williams. Remember, he ran like a four-three. Everybody was so excited about him, and uh, d- that has not meant that because he ran a four-three, he's been a good fantasy asset. Um, it's intriguing when these dudes run fast, but it, like it doesn't mean that. You know, if 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 Malik Neighbors runs a four-five flat, are we going to then devalue his tape where he's blowing past people? Because he ran a 4 5 in tights at the combine. No, like the tape is still the tape. He's still awesome. If Marvin Harrison ran a 4 5, like would, what, I don't know. If Roma Dunze ran a 4 3, that's awesome. Cause then it's just like, okay, his tape is good and he's a little bit faster than we thought he might be in tights. But like, does that change how fast he ran against Oregon? in Seattle when they played him. No, like he ran as fast as he ran, and the 40, the 40 doesn't change what his tape says necessarily about his game speed. So I think it's you can get caught in the smoke and mirrors a little bit of what the 40 is for receivers. I think there is one combine drill though that is important that's worth paying attention to for wide receivers. That's the three cone drill. Uh Cooper Cup is kind of the case study in this in that He didn't run a super fast 40, I think it was like high four fives, low four sixes, but he ran a ridiculous three cone. And that just means that he is really quick getting in and out of breaks. Change of direction, he's awesome. And that translates to the NFL, when you're breaking in and out of routes, um, when you're trying to shake off defenders, that uh, short area quickness, that ability to change direction, to move quickly, that's a really valuable skill set to have. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is another case study in this where he didn't run a super fast 40. I think it was mid four fives, but he ran an excellent three cone. It's worth paying attention to who, which of these receivers are going to separate themselves in the three cone drill. I'm not going to be super paying attention to the 40 unless there's like some crazy headline. Like if Roma Dunze runs a low four threes 40, I'll be like, well, oh, that's interesting. But like, You know, if Xavier Worthy goes out and runs a 4-3-2, that's blazing fast. But like he's that's his thing on tape, is he's fast. I don't know. It won't change my opinion of Xavier Worthy if he runs fast. Maybe it would change it a little bit if he runs slow, because on tape he's yeah, but like at the end of the day, the tape is what the tape is. Xavier Worthy produced how he produced the Texas, and like the 40's not going to change my opinion. If some of these bigger guys, like if Keon Coleman runs a blazing fast three-cone drill and it sort of illuminates the fact that he's going to be really quick breaking in and out of routes, it's intriguing. I think it's worth putting a pin in and just sort of saving that for later. Um, And maybe you use it as the deal breaker with some of these prospects because they're all clumped together right now in rookie drafts and you don't know... You know, how am I going to value Adonai Mitchell versus Xavier Worthy versus Keon Coleman versus Troy Franklin versus, you know, fill in the blank. There's a lot of these guys that are just clumped all together and we're not going to know, we'll use landing spot and draft capital and 40 time and all these things to sort of sift through these player value arguments that we're going to have. So pay attention to the three cone, uh, pay attention to 40 for running backs, I guess. Like the Combine's not the end-all be-all, though. Um, it is fun, but I don't think it's as important as we think it is. Um, maybe outside of running backs. Running backs probably should run fast. That's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully next week when we're coming back, Ben has a whole new audio set up. Sounds crispy, clean, and nice. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But for now, enjoy the combine. Enjoy the show, the dog and pony show that is the the men in tights situation up there in Indianapolis. Um, Really curious to see how some of these stories shake out. Maybe there will be some trades that happen while all these teams are up there fraternizing in Indianapolis. We'll see. Maybe we'll have some some clarity about Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields after this whole deal. That'll do it for me. Uh, Make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. We'll see you next week. Peace.